Welcome, everybody, to this 90s podcast. Sean and I are back, and this week we're going to be taking a look at the golden age of Rare. And a golden age it was. <laughs> Welcome back, Sean. Thanks for coming along. Well, thanks for having me. It's nice to you know, rejoin you here after the, you know, the very first podcast we did. Um, got to listen to your other podcast uh, with your other co-host, Richie, and... They came out really good. Nice job, bud. Oh, much appreciated, man. Much appreciated. You know, it, it couldn't do it without you guys. It's uh, it's definitely been a long, a long time coming, and been enjoying doing every minute of it. And we're very excited to have you back and talk to one of I think one of our favorite times of uh, of growing up in the '90s was uh, the rare games and the impacts they made on us. What was your What was your particular favorite rare game? Oh, jeez. Uh, there's a lot of options. Uh, they, I mean, if we're gonna talk about them, uh, that means they're really good. Um, I would say maybe the one game that maybe had the biggest impact. I'm gonna say Goldeneye. Might be a pretty generic answer, but um, you know, to 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 get into the eyes of James Bond to go around shooting people, like everyone's school was talking about it. Everyone had the game. It was basically who got it first and who who beat it first. And then obviously the knights, you know. We all get together playing four players, shooting each other, stabbing each other in the back. <laughs> Countless memories, lots of fun. That's got to be number one for me. Dude, I can't remember how many times you wired the place, but I, I, I there was so many times that I spawned and it just, just absolutely blew up. I'm like, oh, again, <laughs> dude, again. I can't start in any room. How does this guy have the place wired so much? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, uh, GoldenEye was was a huge, I mean, it was a first-person shooter on, a, on, on the N64, uh, right off the heels of the GoldenEye movie, which was the resurgence of uh, James Bond back in the 90s, uh, starring Pierce Brosnan. So the game came out a little bit after that. I think it, we were in eighth grade, maybe? It was When the game came out? Yeah, when the game came out. I think I we were... I would say we were in sixth or seventh. Oh, was it sixth or seventh? Okay, I, yeah. I remember... I remember uh, I was in... I think it was music class. We were required to take it. I think maybe we were playing recorders or something. It's middle school. It was a little <laughs> foggy then. But uh, yeah, one of the kids in class was like, "Hey, look, I got I got Goldeneye." I'm like, "What's that?" And <laughs> I guess it just came out that day. I didn't know much about it, but all of a sudden, like wildfire spread throughout the school, and all of a sudden, it's like the game you got to play. Um, yeah, and, totally. And yeah, I. But here's the funny thing: I've never seen the movie. Oh, no kidding! I had no you still idea. Seen it? I I still haven't seen it. I have no idea what the reference is, but <laughs> I'm sure it's great. <laughs> Oh come on, Defense Minister Mishkin! You missed all that great dialogue. I maybe I have a unique perspective. I just see him through the game with the blockhead and and bubble dialogue. It works great. Oh well, hell yeah, man! Yeah, that was that that really that game really cemented everyone into. Uh, I mean, that was the the couch experience, the whole four player couch experience. It was you know ahead of its time in terms of uh, console wise first person shooters. They had been around for for a while in PC gaming, but this was really I feel like the moment where. Uh, that bridge had been crossed, um, you know, which paved the way for a lot of franchises that we have now. That you know, I won't go into the Call of Duty and in, in turn that inspired the Call of Duty thing because there were obviously shooters way before then. But it definitely brought that couch experience, four player, in, into the home for for one console. Um, in particular, you know, Nintendo uh, signed Rare on as a as a second party developer, and uh, they got their money's worth, and they they definitely gave their their catalog. 
of N64 games a much needed boost. Uh, you know, everybody always talked about Nintendo having, you know, having a grip on everything and developers went their own ways, but they they held on to they held on to a good one and uh there there was a lot of a lot of fruits that they bore that lived on the N64 and 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 progressed and kind of changed the industry as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, and that's you know, as we're going to talk about like the, the golden era, um, you know, this was obviously mutual, mutually beneficial. Um, you know, Nintendo doesn't always get all the games; they don't always get all the third party and uh, support for various reasons. Some good, some not so yeah, good. Totally. But uh, you know, this is one company that they kind of you know realized early on, okay, they can help us and we can help them, and it was it, it worked out great. Uh, my question is actually, you know, we're talking about the golden era. So what is considered the golden era? Because in yeah. my mind, my memories go back and it could be because of an age thing. But I oh, remember definitely. in the Super Nintendo playing, you know, the Donkey Kong Country games and, and Killer Instinct. And then obviously in the Nintendo 64, I was talking about GoldenEye and, and some of the other games like Banjo and whatnot. Um, is that kind of like the golden era between, say, 90, I don't know, and 2002 yeah is, is that it yeah i mean it's 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 definitely uh it's definitely open to interpretation you know i think i think our uh you know my take on it is like where i guess where we picked up on them because i i knew growing up like with the nes you know i didn't i didn't know who rare was you know playing the nes i played the games that that they had made like battletoads and you know rc pro am rc pro am is still uh, you know a really solid title i remember um, that game i never owned it but i remember it yeah it made a good impression Oh yeah, it had. I mean, it, it was like, you know, precursor Mario Kart. There was oil slicks, there was hazards, there was you know weapons and and items that you can use to knock people off course. The the hand the controlling was still kind of wonky, which I feel like kind of carried over to the uh, to Blast Core on the N sixty four that demolition the demolition game where you kind of take it on like it, the controls were a little uh, a little wobbly, but you know the game was overall really solid. Now Battletoads was frustratingly brutal. <laughs> uh, and and if you had asked me back then, like, what do you think of the game? I would have told you the game was 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 shit, because it was so hard um, that it just made it so frustrating to play. But there was always a reward. Um, there was always definitely a reward. So you know, we could open it to interpretation for what we feel like. And I feel like for me, it was kind of probably the Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo uh, was the where I started getting cognizant of, of of Rare being behind this game. You know that opening scene and. Uh, in Donkey Kong Country, it's like dun 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 dun, then it opens up to Cranky Kong turning the phonograph dun 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 dun, and then all of a sudden you just get like you know rock music coming in, which just completely blew me away. So I feel like that was probably for me that was probably the start of being like cognizant of what Rare was and who they were, you know. So yeah, I I, I echo those sentiments. I mean, I I never owned that game actually. I I mean, I do have a copy. It, it had some flood damage. Maybe you can look at it. Maybe you can fix it. I don't know. It's been about oh, a decade. Yeah. Oh, that's but, right. Um, it apart. Yeah, Metroid, we couldn't save. No, we couldn't. Well, not yet. Okay. I never give up hope. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I never owned the game uh, to play. I own the other two. Um, but yeah, I'll never forget the intro. Um, that was basically just, you know, first of all, the, the graphics were stunning. It was 2D, but had like three-dimensional depth. It was, it was a unique um, art style, which was blowing blowing people away at the time. I mean, it really blew me away. And, um, you know, to harken back to the days of, you know, the old Donkey Kong on the uh, Nintendo and the arcade, that was a cool touch. And 
it followed up with an uh, amazing game that the times I did get to play it, I had a lot of fun. And playing the sequels, I had countless hours and years of fun just playing it because it's oh, just yeah. it's it's a good quality company and they do good quality titles. Chris and Tim Stamper had uh, started the company in, in hopes of you know getting to where they are, and I, I think they've they definitely did that and, and beyond. Uh, they they started out early on and they were you know they knew what they wanted to achieve and I, like you said the, the partnership with Nintendo was mutually beneficial to both of them um, especially with the Donkey Kong Country game I remember that was one of the first things that started getting called out on was like how did they create those graphics and you know rudimentary I guess it was it was for it was the way that they needed to do it with the very limited tools that they had they pre-rendered the graphics and then they they mapped them around the you know the characters and they took Donkey Kong into a side-scrolling genre, which you think about it, like the last time you saw Donkey Kong before that, it was Donkey Kong Jr. You were, you know, the single screen, single screen experience where you're climbing to, you know, to reach the end. Um, so it was a huge, uh, a huge uh, rift for, you know, the industry in, in a lot of ways that kind of put the nails to developers and like, hey guys, you know, this is what we can do with very limited tools. Like, what do you got to offer? Um, and I feel like that's where it was mutually beneficial for Nintendo and Rare in the sense that they both played off of each other. I mean, to develop the games that they, 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 that they made progressively got more expensive. And the company to be able to do that is Nintendo, where they have endless amounts of cash flow. So I think it was, um, you know, the Donkey Kong Country series definitely paved, uh, paved the way to a great sequel of Donkey Kong Country 2 with, you know, uh, Diddy Kong, Dixie Kong. And all the different dynamics in that. That was one of my favorite ones. Yeah, for a long time, and that was my favorite one. And I know popular opinion, I think, would lean towards that being people's favorite ones. I've recently changed my opinion, but <laughs> that could be for another time. Um, yeah, no, and, and the thing is, those games, you know, they, as you said, they progressively got a bigger budget, and they became better. I mean, I, I you know, the third one, debatable. I actually like the third one, but that's, not everyone likes it. But anyway... The games got, you know, slightly better graphics every time, more polished, and the game design got more polished. Um, you know, the levels had more um, bonuses. They had they had more complexity to them, uh, more set pieces, and um, and the game just got bigger in general. And because of that, it just became more and more fun. And it was almost kind of like, like you had Mario, and you knew what you're gonna get with him. He's going to run, he's going to hit the question mark, he's going to jump on the enemy, he's going to save the princess, beat Bowser, off we go. Well, Donkey Kong, you don't really know. Like, he just, like, he only had the first game, you didn't know who the end boss was. Like, mm-hmm. it was kind of a big mystery, and now you're kind of going through the second game, and, you know, you got an idea that could be the same guy, but you're not you're not 100% sure. And, you know, it's it's it started to make a continuity, and it was becoming so much more creative in my opinion than Mario at the time that people were looking at Rare and be like hey you guys are actually like, doing the best job out of anyone it's not just Nintendo or Sega or it's yeah. it's you guys are at the top of the mountain and you caught on to that really early I didn't I knew they were good but you were kind of early on being like yeah like these guys are special like you know pay attention <laughs> to them and did I listen eh, sort of <laughs> oh I, I I disagree I think you I think uh, I for me like so with the bundle that I got the uh, Super Nintendo bundle that I got was um, was the one with Donkey Kong Country. It was the Donkey. I got it later on uh, in, in the cycle. I got a Genesis before. That's a good deal. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty good deal. It was. It was. I think it was still just the one controller, but uh, yeah, but it came with the game. That was kind of the idea. I got things bundled in with whatever it came with. But yeah, the game was like was was awesome. Like it, 
you know, Super Mario World, we talked about that one in depth about um about finding secrets and stuff like that, and it would give you a clue. And I feel like now, now that Donkey Kong Country had come out, Rare kind of took it in a different direction where they they incorporated a pretty decent amount of secrets. I'd say probably two or three per level, and those would always be verified when you beat the level if it had the exclamation mark yes. uh, at the end of it. So you kind of knew, like, they would give you a clue. Like, you know, you know that, that would be the completion of that level, 100% completion. So, like, carrying the barrels around was really cool because that was one of the clues that you could use to break open doors that weren't so visibly uh, obvious, like a shining block or, you know, things like that. But, um, yeah, in a lot of ways, like, you know, having played those games and, and seeing Rare come up and then, you know, the sequel came out uh, and, then the, the, and then the third one came out. Um, but then we started getting ports. Then we started getting a port of, of arcade games, uh, you know, the Killer Instinct, uh, the Killer Instinct arcade game, the fighting game, which this this is a time where you got to remember, like, you know, the 1990s, we had Street Fighter, we had Mortal Kombat, and we just got a whole new entry level uh, player called Killer Instinct, which varied in, in the sense that it had a lot of linking combos. And it was a big appeal from what I remember. It was probably the first one that did have combos because after that, Capcom, you know, kind of incorporated that into their uh, into their fighting style. As, as so didn't um, Midway with uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, truth- uh, or Williams. Was it Williams? Yeah, I think yeah, Williams, Williams Entertainment. Yeah. I think them and Midway worked together. I was gonna say, you know, it, and that's so true. And I remember I sucked at Street Fighter and I sucked at Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I just I was horrible at those games. I don't know why. Just the whole I guess. The way the fighting worked in those games, I mean, I guess in Street Fighter I could get away with a few things if I was like uh, Blanca. You sit there electrifying yourself, someone runs into you, like, okay, I can cheat my way to a victory there. But, you know, that, I, I was horrible. And then Killer Instinct comes out. I think uh, I think we were over maybe like Dan and Josh's house and we are yeah. playing it. And um, and I was, I was like, really like, wow, like, how are you guys doing all that? Like, linking combos together, like, hitting guy constantly. And, and you know, it looked really good, too. And... And then they kind of started to show you, and you kind of you start to see that, you know, certain people handled like you know you hold you hold the button and press the button, and it'll do this, and then if you do it the opposite way, it'll kind of like link it together. And once you kind of it's kind of riding a bike. Once you did it a couple times, you're like, wow, okay. Every character felt different. I could do like there's like two or three characters I was pretty decent with. Uh, the rest of them I sucked with, but that's all I needed. You used to wreck me with Spinal. Well, I wasn't good with him. I was once, cheap. You got, once you got a head, well, yeah, but th- but that was part of his fighting style. I mean, he had a whole different uh, move set. Like, and, and that was a gr- that was a great thing that they had done was, uh, you know, what you're saying, linking the two combos together, and they also balanced it out by doing a combo breaker. So they would they would incorporate the combo breaker move that if you know if you pre- if you know the other character's <coughs> move set, you do the same inverse move set and you could combo break it timed right. So there was definitely a good balance to it. Um, Afterwards, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't very good at Street Fighter. I was a lot better at Mortal Kombat. I feel like because of the um, I, I got a hold of uh, Sub Zero quite quite early on, and I used you know a lot of his moves to my advantage and and stuff like that. But I you know, Liu Kang was probably another one that I was good with. But after that, it's like yeah, not 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 you know not that great, not as good as uh, as Killer Instinct. That felt like, um, but yeah, that was I think that was one of the things that really made Rare stand out in the time was that they built on what was already there. And they kind of tweaked it to that, to that you know, to that genre and to that system um, in a in a different way. They gave you a whole new characters. You had Saber Wolf, you had Orchid, Jago. Um, what was the boss's name? Idol. Yeah, Idol. Was, was the Idol, Idol was in the yeah. first one, and Gargus was in the second one. 
But they, um, yeah, I was, it was unheard of. I'm like, you're getting a port from the arcade game to the Super Nintendo, nonetheless. Like, and yeah. if anyone was, if, if anyone was going to do it, it was going to be rare. Well, because wasn't Sega doing stuff like that? Like, didn't, like, was it Virtual Racing that was an arcade to the... Yeah, I think that one, the Virtual Racing, yeah, I, I thought, mean, Sega, I thought that, Sega I, did it a lot. I mean, I didn't know if they did it a lot. I just, I just knew that I thought they were doing that. So, like, yeah, for the Super Nintendo to get something like that was pretty unique and cool. Um, and it, like I said, it played great. It looked great, and I that was one of the few fighting games I actually like in my life bought because I was like, all right, I can, you know, I can pick up and play this, you know, one player if no one's around, or you know, play a two player, or you know, just just kind of keep working through because every character handled so uniquely. I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, some are faster, some are slower, some hit harder, some hit softer, you know, some are some are quicker, yeah, yeah, and some are just easier to use in general. So I was yeah. like, all right, if I can, you know, go through and see which ones I'm good at, and then you know, challenge you guys and. Yeah, I can hold my own with certain people. Other people, it's just a, it's a mess. Yeah, I can't, I can't fight with Glacius or you know the the ice character. Cinder was a good one, like the quick people. Uh, Saber Wolf, I think, was like my probably my favorite one. Yeah. Um, or my easiest one, I guess. Uh, which you know, getting those uh, that was one of the few ones I could do an ultra combo with. So you do the you same know, ultra, yeah. ultra. Then like Orchid was was up there, and yeah, no, the game the game resonated pretty well, and and. In, in addition to you know the other the other um, the other games, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and stuff like that, like you know, we I think we played all of them, but I think Killer Instinct was probably one that we beat to death. Yeah, it's one that I think you know we all just got into, and it it's it was kind of cool because you know the people who got into it really got into it, seemed like, and yeah. you know I felt like it, you know over time it pushed the other games to get better, and eventually you know yeah. it carved out its own little you know niche, but you know it hasn't been a game on it. You know, in the series now since what? Eight yeah, years. Well, the the Xbox. Yeah, yeah, more. Yeah. Is it eight ten, years? Ten I don't years know. now. The, I think Time the final now. update on the definitive edition of uh, Killer Instinct on the Xbox One was actually pretty pretty good. Um, it was different for sure, and having General Ram from Gears of War as a playable character. You know, having the Arbiter from Halo in it was was definitely much was much like much appreciated. There were some weird characters in there, but eh, you know, to each his own. Um, but to your point, yeah, I think everybody it forced the industry to kind of get better, and, and, and definitely gave them a run for their money. And uh, as a second party developer, that's like, you know, that's definitely a, you know, kudos. You know, those those are bragging rights right there. And you know, I don't remember, you know, recently, you know, I guess everybody releases DLC and skins and stuff like that. But you bought this game. I, I remember getting this game from uh, renting it from Blockbuster, and on the first rental, the first person that rented it would get the CD. The killer cut CD, so it was the soundtrack. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the soundtrack was. Uh, it was. I think it was originally sold in it, but I, I managed to get it from from Blockbuster. Unfortunately, it's it's long gone now. I still have the, I still have the digital songs, but the disc was long gone. And I'm like, wow, this this game got a soundtrack. And you know, there, the track eight, I think, was uh, called the Instinct. It was the dun 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 dun. Oh uh, yeah. But everybody had their own uh, their own thing. Like Combo had his own music and stuff like that. Like. You know, you think back now, you think back to then, like, not even Mario had a soundtrack disc ever released with it, like a CD. Yeah, that was that was a new thing, and that, that again, just kind of, you know, separated themselves from everyone else and, and sort of creativity and what you got with the package. The one thing is, like, it goes back to a time, you know, back in the 90s and even early 2000s when you got a game it was complete you know yeah. you got you paid your you know 50 60 bucks and yeah. you felt like you got your money's worth yeah for sure wouldn't mind going back to those days but yeah 70 dollar eh. games i still uh, I i'm an old man i'm complaining now <laughs> no definitely it was you know you you wanted to get that whole experience you didn't want to have to get a day one patch 
or anything like that. Like these these games were coming out in in a whole different environment. The Super Nintendo was 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 basically you know hot, and they used the same technology to make the uh, to make the port. Obviously, it wasn't a one to one conversion from the arcade, but it was it was good enough where like the experience started coming home in in a more you know a more appreciated way in a much better graphical way. I feel, I feel like it peaked with like uh, Soul Calibur maybe in the Dreamcaster. I think that's when it finally made that giant leap forward. But back back to Rare, the um, pushing the envelope and and getting you know that partnership and that and that you know those those credits with Nintendo about making these great games uh, really paved the way for them to you know give them that that catalog uh, the catalog that they had during the N sixty four ages like you know whatever Nintendo made whatever uh, R and D one um, was developing they they took it to the next level you know you just you played through uh, Banjo Kazooie and it's definitely you know, it was that's one of my probably my favorite uh, 3D games. Uh, it's definitely not you know, it's not better than or, or or worse than any of that. Like you know, Ocarina of Time obviously was was one of the was one of the best games ever made, arguably. But and uh, and what what Banjo Kazooie did on top of uh, Mario 64, it, just, it built on it and it just gave you so much reward uh, playing it. You it, it took you into an entirely new world that didn't feel like Mario at all. And it and it made you know did things a lot better in a lot of ways. You know, granted, it came out way after, but well, I, you, you know, it's 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 funny. I know you always talk very highly about that game, and and I for all these years I've never played it, and then so finally you're like, listen, borrow it, play it, and I'm like, all right. So I did. I played the plain vanilla N64 version, and I had so much fun. I really did. It it, it sort of took me back to you know my childhood when I was playing that, which. You know, came out in 96, you know, I would have been 13, 14 years old, um, early teen years, and yeah, I mean, you know, after school on a rainy day, you know, all right, it, you know, when it's firing up Mario or Goldeneye back then, now it's, you know, playing banjo, and I'm like, you know, I, I get that feeling again, that like, you know, that it, it's just a, a nostalgic feeling you get uh, playing these old games, and this one brought it back, and it's a game I never played, after playing it, I couldn't say highly enough what you know what I thought about it I thought the game you know was polished I thought it handled well I thought you know the the soundtrack was catchy the dialogue was catchy um you know I chuckled a bit and um I just had fun playing it which I was like yeah it's just a game you know you, you, there's no loading there's no this and that just go play it and the challenge is on you can you do it or not there's no help yeah and yeah I got through it took a little while but I did it yeah no and, and definitely I'm, I'm glad I, I recommended that uh you play the first one versus the second one, and, and the only reason I'll say that is because it's it's new enough, but it's not superly overwhelming. Uh, Banjo Tooie, when that one came out, was like it, it built on what it did on the first one. I mean, into the max, it, it did it a more open world versus a linear. Um, you know, nothing nothing groundbreaking at the time. You know, you had a uh, Ocarina of Time, obviously, which was open world, but still kind of linear. But this one was um, when I you know when I said you know play the Banjo games. I definitely recommend the first one. It's 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 super enjoyable, but not over overly overwhelming uh, for the overworld and, and using the trains and and the and the tunnels and stuff like that to get through. But what I liked about that, what I liked about Banjo the most was probably the like the reward of finding things. Like it was it was, um, but it wasn't so cryptic where it, where it didn't make any sense. Like it, it you know, Super Mario Sunshine, I think probably takes the cake on that one with the blue the blue coins throughout the overworld. Like oh, geez, there was no yeah. way to keep track of it. Um, you know, as, as rare did with like Donkey Kong country, like you get, 
the exclamation marks, but then you know you complete that game and it's a hundred percent. It'll show you a, a listing, and then you find out you can actually get to one hundred one percent, as as you did, not me. <laughs> no, on the first one, I never got there. Oh no, no, oh, I, did I, I did one hundred and two percent on the oh, second one. Oh my god, one, yeah. yeah, and that's an even much that's a, that's an even bigger game. I, I I I had a little help. <laughs> had a little help. Not much, a little bit. But I, yeah, and then we um yeah sorry go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say um yeah not not too much help. I I had a breakdown a little bit. At my old age, you gotta kind of yeah. make those minutes count. So, oh yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, uh, recommending Banjo Kazooie made sense. I thought uh, just just because this the first game, but you know, for that reason, I'm glad you did because I could get through it. It seemed like you know something that's easier to figure out that kind of pushes you forward. It's you know for the way our lives are now, married with kids, it's like you know what, if you get the chance to play, be thankful. You only got a little time, so make it count. And um, and so that's what I did, and it was nice. It was a really, it was a really cool experience, um, just because the um, well to see a game like that look good on the TV, especially nowadays where it's you know it's hard to do, and for it to control the way it did with no lag, and for it to just for for it to just be as just creative. You know, there was no. I mean, I hate to say it now. You know, just. Games today, I'm just like, oh, whatever. You know, they just think they lost the creativity. That game had creativity. Yeah. Had a lot of creativity. And I wonder if I wonder if that uh, to speak to your point about creativity and stuff, because there weren't. You know, you got to remember the N64 didn't have a huge library, so you know they had the PlayStation out that was already out at the same time that had uh, a massive library with story-driven games, and they were cranking them out by the t- by the you know by the troves. There, there wasn't a lot on the N64. Um, you know these games you looked forward to like you'd look forward to like you'd read about them in Nintendo Power or wherever whatever video game magazine um, it was EGM and GamePro I think GamePro oh, was yeah. a big one that, that was back at the time like you know you get the new episode you get the new the new magazine and you're waiting for these these things to come out so yeah like the games back then you know you paid 60 bucks for them they 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 carried you for a long time and then if you didn't you know you, you'd, you'd have to research what you were going to get uh, so anyone out there that would like to get into the Banjo Kazooie series, I definitely recommend starting with the first one. Uh, the second one is going to be, in my opinion, overwhelming. I mean, not by today's standards, but just in the realm of uh, of understanding what's going on and 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 the character dynamics and all the and all the tropes that you can learn from it. Uh, definitely start with Banjo Kazooie uh, first. I know it's a it's the version on the Xbox Live um, arcade is 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 probably arguably the best one. The one for the Switch online, I I can't say I've played through it um, for more than a couple levels, or like the you know Bucket Bay or whatever, uh, tre- uh, Treasure Cove. But um, yeah, definitely check it out. Check out, start off with the first one, um, and go from there. Play the original, do it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, play, play it on play it on the N sixty four. You know what? You you got to really experience that three pronged Triton. It's it's just it's. It's just ahead of its time. It's it's nostalgic. The way it was meant to be played. The way it was meant to be played. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. They built these games around that controller scheme and the Golden. I know we talked about the Golden Eye one. Um, we we talked about Golden Eye on the Switch versus on the Xbox One. I played both of them, uh, and the the Xbox One is definitely the one that feels the most natural now, versus the Switch, which like it's staying almost to the same button mapping scheme. And I don't remember if there's a way to, you can change the controller style within the game, just like you could in, in the old one. But the, the, the Xbox one, one was definitely more of a, a natural feeling thing. Like the, the zoom was on the left trigger and you shoot with the right. And 
you know, the buttons made a little bit more sense. You can modify it too a little bit within that one. But yeah, definitely check out if, if you're looking for a better control scheme, check out the Xbox One one. It's definitely the most uh, faithful to how the original controller felt because that's one of those hard things that you get from, you know, developers making games for other systems. And getting this game back after that long was just unbelievable. I didn't believe it was going to happen. Yeah, but, I'm, yeah, I'm happy more people get to experience it because that was, that was a game, like I said prior, you know, everyone's cool was talking about it. And so for us in like the mid-90s, it was like, all right, that was the chatter for a little while and everyone had to play and everyone had to talk about their experiences with it and then everyone get together and shoot each other and it's great. Um, and then it just got lost. And on the one hand, you know, I have a copy and so I was like, okay, maybe I'm sitting on something valuable. And then <laughs> on the other hand, it's nice that everyone gets to experience it. So yeah, yeah. I'm happy and hopefully people are kind of, you know, at least can kind of appreciate what it was back in like the mid nineties. Cause it was a lot of fun. It really was. Yeah, totally. And and one of the things I'll, um, I'll speak about Goldeneye too was um, Rare created this after the success of the movie, but they had a very small team for it. You know, they, it wasn't like a, hey, we're going to make this flagship title that's going to change the landscape of, you know, first-person shooters on consoles. Um, and, you know, there, there were ports of Doom on, on the Super Nintendo, and, you know, that's, you know, that's fine. I, I won't argue the fact that it was the first. It wasn't the first one uh, or the first company to, to, to tinker with it but but it was better it, it was it was, it was just better you couldn't multiplayer doom with four people on one console that was just the bottom line and that was and that was tough and and honestly you couldn't even do that on the playstation right there i don't was, think so you know, there was nothing that it was you know let us let us know what uh what you were playing when when bond was out or if you were playing bond or if you didn't like bond you know? no no one didn't like it yeah, yeah you know, impossible you know. to dislike true this wasn't their flagship title that they were making and you know they they were still cranking out you know the diddy kong racing um that was a, spreading across all the genres you had a you know racing game but it wasn't just racing on carts too you also had you know you had your um your your air sh- uh your copters or whatever they were right the copters like the, yeah, single the engines, airplane yeah, the, the, airplane, yeah. the hovercraft yeah and the hovercraft yep that yep. was the other one the hovercraft so you had like that and you had boss battles um yeah an adventure mode yeah, there was, an, there was an entire mode, okay. adventure mode. Yeah, you had a, a racing game built in, a, a, an adventure game, and just a bunch of cra- like time trial too. The time trial uh, things were in there as well, and that was very, very rare. Like you know, you you remember the companies like back then, like Capcom, they were making Mega Man and fighting games. They were making Street Fighter, the 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 fourteenth hundred version of Street Fighter Two. <laughs> they they were on it, you know, and and that's fine. The game the game got better. I, I still think it's crazy to pay sixty dollars every time when the Hyper Edition came out or, or anything like that, but that's. <laughs> That's neither here nor there, but then then you had them follow up with, you know, you had uh, Diddy Kong Racing, you had you know, Perfect Dark. Yeah, I and I got Perfect Dark. I looked forward to it. I was still playing the N64 back in its twilight years, and um, that's the thing. Like, they could dip, much like Nintendo, into various genres with some pretty good success. I mean, yeah. I know there's been debates in Mario Kart versus Diddy Kong Racing. Which one's <laughs> better? I'm like, I think there's two opposite games in general, but... They're both really good. Um, and I'd put put them up against each other, no problem, because the quality is not necessarily different. You know, or, this, yeah. or if there is a difference, it may be that the rare version is actually better. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, but um, yeah, they they got into uh, obviously the platforms with Banjo and with Banjo Tooie, and compared to Mario sixty four, if that's its uh, you know contemporary, that you know it did a lot better, I think. Yeah. Um, and then you get into some of the more you know, fighting, they had Killer Instinct Gold, uh, which was sort of an arcade port, I think. 
Yeah, that one was, was pretty close. close. Right? I'm not sure if it was 100%, but it was pretty close. Yeah, so like that, you know, that was kind of like the big fighting game on the system. Um, I never owned it, and it was fine. I kind of like the Super Nintendo one better. Um, yeah, they definitely felt way different. Yeah, the, and then the, the and, joystick was hard to use with it. Yeah, but I think that's also just like we were kind of the first ones to kind of get into that whole idea. So I mean, we grew up on D pads. So then, yeah. you know, the joystick is like, what's this? Now it's just you know, people looking at D pad like, what's that? Yeah, kind of like manual windows and locks, power windows and locks. <laughs> but but um, no, and then they would they would get into obviously the first person shooters, and no one really compared. I mean, I guess. I mean, the competition there would have been like Turok at the time, and yeah, and Turok was good. I mean, it looked it looked nicer, but I don't know. It, to me, it wasn't quite the same. Um, oh, but, definitely not. But it was... definitely a great game. Like, definitely a great game. And then um, there was Doom sixty four, which was different. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I, I like that game. But <laughs> do I like it as much as like Goldeneye or Perfect Dark? No, I don't. Um, that game lives on. Actually, that Turok does too. I'm glad those two got a you know digital ports or digital recreations. Yeah, they were they were a big part of the um, the sixty four library, and then you know the one game I just wanted to touch on briefly because one I always come back to, and I remember wanting to get it when it came out, and I didn't, and then I've rented it a million times. You've let me borrow it a million times, but every like once every eight nine years, I want to play Blast Corp. Oh yeah, and I don't know what it is that game. Is it the best graphically? No. Does it have the you know best soundtrack? No. Does it have the best control? No. Actually, the control is quite obnoxious. <laughs> It's just an addictive game. Like, it's just you, for those who haven't played, it's more of an obscure title. I'm surprised it hasn't come back. Like, oh, it, it, it it's totally obscure. <laughs> but, like, oh, yeah, it, it's a good game. It's, it's yeah. you know, you take construction vehicles and blow things up, knock down buildings and shoot things. Like, oh, that, yeah. I mean, how can that not take off? My, my son would love that if he was old enough to play it. You know, he <laughs> takes a dumb truck and knocks a building down. Great job, bud. Oh, the um, tailspin. But yeah, no, and I recently played it, and it was fun. I was, I was like, wow, I had a good time playing that. And I understood it more being older because it's kind of, it's, it's a little interesting figuring out all the mechanics. But it's, it's stuff like that that may not have been at the forefront that today still holds up quality wise. Like that and Diddy Kong Racing haven't had a sequel. Maybe that's for the best. I don't know. But they were two darn good games. Yeah, and Diddy Kong Racing, I think, is stuck to. What for? It's doomed forever because it's not going to be able to come out for anything. If it, if it does, it would have to come out without any of the characters. Who they have to take out of it? Oh yeah, geez, yeah. Because what's all the rare characters you got? Well, because you got Diddy Kong, which pertains to Nintendo. Diddy Kong is Nintendo. What's and, Con- what's Conquer? Conquer's rare, and then Microsoft right. owns rare. Huh. But that, they did it in Smash Brothers. That's a, that's so, a, and that's another game we haven't touched on yet. Conquer's bad for a day. <laughs> Oh hell yeah! Yeah, well, the last the last rare game I think, right? I think it was. I, I yeah, I think it, I think it was um, when they were owned by. Well, I think they still made um they still made the one for the DS. I think, I think the I think Nintendo I think uh, Microsoft allowed them to make it for the portable systems, not the home systems. Well, I, think I, I didn't realize it was a game for the. Wow. Yeah, I, I think didn't it was, it was um, one. Diddy Kong Racing DS maybe. I think that's what it was, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, that's that's a that's a cool little piece of history, though. But it was just a port, and it didn't have banjo. Oh, it couldn't. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah so huh. banjo's not in it. it well, just, I mean, those and those are two games. I, I mean, technically, Conquer, I guess, is a third game that they're just gonna get what lost because yeah. they're trapped on the system because of licensing. You can't make something happen. Like I don't know how the Goldeneye thing worked out. I'm glad it did. Yeah. Um, but like th- those would be good games for people to experience. Yeah, totally. Blast Corp was one of those. Like, listen, that you know, Blast Corp is not some sort of Marvel Herald, but it was it was hella fun to play. Like, 
the dialogue was cheesy. Like, all right, let's go. It oh, had it voice does. acting. It horrible. Yeah, it, it had voice acting, which for Rare was like you know unheard of because it takes up a lot of space on that on that cartridge, which was you know part of the problem of it. But yeah, the gameplay in that it was was really really cool. I think that if you had told me that that game took less time to make than Goldeneye, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. Which it, it might have. Uh, but if anyone wants to check it out, basically you're, you're guiding this you know missile carrier that's carrying a nuclear missile throughout the town, and it, it's simple. You just got to clear a path for it. You got to clear a path for it. You got to knock down certain buildings. You have to activate certain like you know certain satellites to do whatever. It's just it, it was a really fun, unique experience that was totally out of the realm of uh, what they were doing at you know first person shooters, 3D platformers. Now that I think about it, it might have been DK64. I, or was it DK sixty four or or Conquer that was the last game? I think Conquer came out after. Okay, DK Conquer 64. did. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. So DK, and then oh, that's God. another one. <laughs> Jeez, oh, DK. Lord. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, what do you? I mean, I was excited to experience that game, and I haven't played it in a long, long time. But I, I played the heck out of that game. It, it was a fun game. It was definitely. I, I, I don't know how big it was in terms of size, but it felt enormous compared to Banjo Tooie. Because I remember at one point I had to use Lanky Kong all, all the time to get anywhere because you had to oh, yeah. go on the arms or whatever to get to where you were going. But that game was, I mean, it was, you know, taking back to what, coming full circle to what they had done in the Super Nintendo. They took Donkey Kong into the 3D world. Um, That's right. And yeah. just, and then, and added on, you know, built on what they had already done and built on the multiplayer. They had a character roster at that point uh, with all different characters, boss battles. Uh, that's like another a rare thing, you know, a rare signature uh they were always looking to improve on what they had done, and they would take risks more often than not. You know, in ninety percent of the cases, I think it benefited them a lot, and the system as well. So they drove, you know, they drove sales. They made, they made their studio, you know, shine, and it really stayed true to the name of, you know, this is a rare company. This is this is a company that really devotes time to change, you know, trying different genres. You had a fighting game, you had a racing game, you had a, a, a demolition game. You had a you had a game that you know conquers Bad Fur Day. You had a game that took parts from all different like action tropes of different genres and would make fun of itself at the same time. Yeah, I mean, and they and it became a game that's a little notorious just because of the adult humor and all that stuff uh, on a Nintendo console. It usually doesn't fly, but Nintendo begrudgingly let that one slide. I guess yeah. that was kind of like, okay, you did all this for us. We'll let you yeah. get away with this one. To go back to what I said in the beginning, my idea was maybe like ninety two to two thousand two. I, I guess that kind of holds up. I mean. They, they did a lot. They definitely played a big part in, you know, playing games and, and, and providing opportunities to get together with friends, too, because a lot of it was, you know, like Goldeneye, you know, four people sitting down shooting each other, you know, Diddy Kong Racing, four people racing each other. Um, and, you know, you, you and even like Blast Corps, you can pla- pass a control around. Like, it's actually a pretty quick game to, like, pass around and do a, a couple levels and move on with your life. Yeah. Um, they They did a lot. And because of that... You know, they had obviously the big impact in our lives in the formative years of our lives. Like, you know, age, I don't know, 92, let's see, that, that would have made me like 11, 12, you know, 10, 11 years old. So, you know, age 10 through age, I don't know, 18, 19. And yeah. that's a long time. That's a pretty big, pretty big gap there. Oh, hell yeah. So then what happened after? <laughs> yeah. Well, then we, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're rounding the, uh, the turn of the millennium here. And, and yeah, to my disappointment, it's, uh, and to the disappointment of, of many others, uh, I think too. But in a lot of ways, I think people were looking up in a positive way to the Microsoft acquisition of Rare. It was a good idea on paper for Microsoft. Microsoft was just getting into the video game world, and 
you know, at the turn of the century, we had um, we had the Xbox, we had PlayStation Two Behemoth, um, which we will touch on at some point, and we had the trusty GameCube. Ah, uh, yes, yes, the the GameCube. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I love the GameCube, but I will say one thing: Nintendo, you really, really dropped the ball in letting Rare go on this one. The the GameCube was a great system, and it, you know, the the Rare acquisition for Microsoft. For uh, was it three hundred and fifty million? I don't know. It was something. Oof. It was. It, it, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but it was a pretty hefty sum. I, I, I think it was more than that. But you know, on paper, they were they were poised to have way more money than Nintendo in in a lot of ways and a lot of experience and stuff like that, and a lot of experience in the software development. I shouldn't say experience in games because obviously Nintendo just there's no there's no competition in that in my opinion. But the acquisition was definitely a, a vibe felt around the world in the gaming community. I know uh, you know Rare is a British a British company. Uh, that was Nintendo's strategic plan for that. But you gotta understand back then when systems came out, games were localized for different territories, uh, to you know for different markets and stuff like that, uh, which is understandable. Now we're living in much more globalized and connected but the principles still hold the same different markets like different things you don't sell first person shooters out uh, in Japan Europe has a different market uh, North America has a different market in the three regions so that's what you know that's what the thought process behind Microsoft Microsoft coming into the video game industry uh, with their with their original Xbox console definitely needed to make uh, make its money back they spent a ton of money I think it was a three billion dollar loss on the original Xbox just to get into the video game industry uh, but they needed they needed developers that were from other territories uh, to add to their to their portfolio to be able to make games. You can't have a game you can't have a system without a game. You know the system is only as good as its games, and that's where that's where Microsoft was kind of you know looking at. And listen, Rare, Rare didn't dip in in my opinion uh, from their ability. I think they definitely dipped in their Microsoft's mismanagement. Sorry, Microsoft. I'm sorry. It's just it, it is what it is. You guys have done a lot of good things since then, but that was definitely one of those things that. Um, you know, it definitely changed the industry in a lot of ways. It, it, although it did, like we said, you know, they they forced the industry to push harder, and I think a lot of that was due to uh, developers like Rare. You know, I haven't played the uh, uh, Sea of Thieves games, or was it? Uh, oh yeah, Sea of Thieves. I remember sea of Thieves, hearing yeah. about that game. It sounded interesting. Yeah, I, I haven't played it, so I can't speak too much to it uh, um, about it. Um, you know, until I do, I, I don't want to. I've heard mixed things about it, but you know, like I said, haven't not played it. I can't really speak to too, too much of it, but I, I can tell you that um, you know, when Perfect Dark Zero came out for the Xbox 360, it definitely um, they, they had two launch titles. I think uh, it was Perfect Dark Zero. I think they had sixteen games or no, twelve games for launch. Two of them were rare games. Uh, one being Perfect Dark Zero, and the other one being Cameo Elements of Power. The original Perfect Dark Zero was supposed to have a sixty-four player online. Uh, they eventually. I think it released with 64, but they hacked it down to 32. There just wasn't enough people playing it. But Perfect Dark Zero, that was my first, you know, I, I saw, I watched you play it um, when we were younger on the N64, but it was kind of like I either played Goldeneye or played Perfect Dark Zero. I don't think I, I never bought Perfect Dark Zero, but I was playing Goldeneye. But when Perfect Dark, I'm sorry, with Perfect Dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Sorry, Perfect Dark came out. Yeah, when the game came out, I'm like, all right, I pre-ordered the game. I ended up getting the game before the console came out because of all the shortages that they had. Uh, so I was staring at the box, the, the, the $70 limited edition steel box. I'm like, man, I can't wait to play this game. And it, it didn't disappoint. It definitely, um, compared to like Call of Duty 2, which was the uh, was, was another launch title, it, it's it's totally different. You know, Call of Duty 2 just was, that that was a great experience too. And um, But for Rare... For the uh, the rare 
spectrum of it. Uh, Perfect Dark Zero was actually a really good game. It was hard. It was kind of clunky. But graphically and the way the game played and, and, you know, you interacted with the... It was it was still kind of a typical rare game. It definitely left a lot of uh, a lot of difficulty and mission based things that were you know they were based on cover and fire. They weren't based on you know run and gun for the most part. Uh, you really had to think. You had to use all your gadgets. It was it was almost like it was a little bit too late in the sense that it's a game that probably should have come out for the Xbox. And you know unfortunately the X, the original Xbox you know it had grabbed by the ghoulies, um, which we'll, we'll dive deeper into that one later on um i'm not gonna badmouth it and like i said I, I haven't played it as much as i as i had perfect dark but there was a lot of cool elements in that game for the xbox but it wasn't what perfect dark zero was i feel like perfect dark zero was kind of that, that should have been an xbox title that could have built a huge following back to it um they were eventually released perfect dark on the xbox live arcade which was uh, probably the definitive version the best way to play it yeah i've heard some really good things about that version actually and and it's kind of it would have been nice to having to have owned an Xbox to experience that because, yes, I enjoyed Perfect Dark on the original N sixty four. Do I acknowledge that it gets a little hard to play sometimes? Yeah, it's it chugs along. It's slow, so that fixed a lot of that. And along with other other quality of life enhancements, really made mm-hmm. it a nice nice addition. I think you know again gave people a chance to experience it. Um, I remember playing Perfect Dark Zero. I thought that was a fine game. You know, perfectly good launch title. The uh, the dawn of HD. Yeah, and um, it certainly looked the part, and you know had a nice little you know a couple months there where you know we enjoyed playing it, and yeah, it seemed like that was kind of the last thing I remember from Rare. After that, I don't think I've really heard much. You know, like I said, that you talk about Sea of Thieves, and I think there might have been another banjo game. Yeah, uh, Nuts and Bolts was was um was actually a pretty fun game. It wasn't the one that everybody wanted, to say it simply, but it was still still used a lot of the mechanics. Another uh, typical Rare game. That had that same polish. I mean, they even made fun of themselves at the very beginning of it. Like, you know, they had they, uh, was it, was it the Karen, the, not Karen, the computer. I can't remember the computer's name, but it was like, oh, these kids are all playing these shooter games now, and you know, going into that trope, it's like nobody wants us anymore. You know, Banjo Kazooie were like fat and overweight, and you know, <laughs> Kazooie had Kazooie had no neck, and you know, it was a pretty pretty lanky stork bird. But yeah, it was it was a cool game. It was a vehicle based action action adventure game um, that used the car mechanics to. You know, drive the story forward, uh, and, and finding those things. It was a return to a collectathon uh, genre that you know now we look at collectathons as kind of like a Grand Theft Auto sandbox. I, I think they kind of crossed over, but yeah, collectathons kind of had kind of had their day in the sun. I obviously now it's with assist trophies and uh, achievements and stuff like that. They've kind of made their return for that for that you know for that bragging right and that badge, which Microsoft did pioneer. You know, with uh, with Xbox Live and. You know, they, they acquired Rare and they used them for their Connect adventures and stuff like that. That's what they were developing. It was a Project Natal or whatever the heck it was afterwards. A lot of the Connect stuff, which I never really got into. Um, you know, the, the Wii had just done the Wii Motions, uh, was doing the Wii Motion stuff. But the Connect was obviously, you were the controller that was their, that was their hook. So I can't really speak to too much of those games. They made, a, um, they made another game for, I think at this point they were just, they weren't Rareware, they weren't Rare Limited. But it was... Um, Viva Pinata. Oh, so, I heard about this, yeah. Kind of like a Animal Crossing, you know, build your own adventure and characters and stuff like that. Like, I, I, I never got into it, but from what I understand, it does have a pretty good following. Um, yeah, so, you know, we got uh, you know, Conker's Bad Fur Day. You know, to round out that one was, uh, 
uh, that that was a really really fun game. I mean, it, it took a lot of tropes from a lot of action movies. Like there was a call out to the um, to the Normandy invasion, you know, to uh, Omaha Beach uh, from Saving Private Ryan. I think Saving Private Ryan was relatively new around the time. I I, I don't remember when it exactly it came out, but you know that that whole Omaha Beach scene. But that was I think that was one of the opening scenes from uh, from Conker's Bad Fur Day. He had the hangover from the day before, or whatever. He had to go out to. Um, he had to go out to battle. He was got. He got. You know. He was on a dropship. You know, the squirrels versus the teddies. Squirrels was, versus the teddies. Yeah. Make a whole story about that. Yeah. That was. That was a. That was a cool moment. That was a tough moment actually. I remember I died a few times there, yeah. and they also have the, um, you know, the part with the Matrix where they go in the, yep, the bank yep. and they go through the. Oh hell yeah. The metal detector, and then all of a sudden everything's slow motion. You're diving in trench coats. You know, yeah. shooting everyone. Bullet time. The bullet, bullet time. time thing was really really cool. That was at, at that point in the nineties. And into the 2000s, there was a bullet time in every single movie, whether it was doing it intentionally or doing it to make fun of that that whole thing. But it was everywhere. So you'd go from pillar to pillar, a bullet time, and then there was a scene too with the uh, uh, with the alien from Alien Two. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, the uh, the final boss. Yep. Yeah. And you're in the uh, that huge mechanical suit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a that was actually I I didn't realize how quote unquote rare that game is. Actually, it's it's not not so many copies out there. Um, yeah, it's a great game. It's it's one that's easy every few years to go back to. Uh, you know, not, you're not gonna get lost. It it basically guides you all the way through. But you know, the banter's yeah. funny. You know, it looks great, plays great, sounds great, and um, yeah, definitely that's one of like, probably the last games I ended up getting for the uh, 64. It was a great way to go out. Um, yeah, you know, it's not as big and and bombastic as banjo, but it's it serves a, a particular purpose as far as like a simple platformer that looks good that was back when the expansion pack was you know regularly getting used so it could up you know up the graphics a little bit up the um the uh, frame rate and also it had kind of an underrated multiplayer i didn't play it a lot just because by that time you know we'd all gotten older kind of moving around a little bit and 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 also you know people just moved on from their systems but um yeah playing the playing the little bit of multiplayer that i've been able to play on that it's actually pretty fun. It's pretty creative. It's a little wonky, but, you know, the ideas were pretty good. And a lot of those ideas, you know, whether it's, you know, capture the flag, but it's a money bag, or it's, you know, just straight up just, you know, deathmatch, killing each other. Those, a lot of those ideas have been carried forward to today, and they did it well. Yeah, hell yeah. I remember the, um, uh, when I got it for Xbox Live, I'm sorry, not Xbox Live, when I got uh, Conker's Live and Reloaded, I got that at launch for the original Xbox, and the online was pretty fun. Um, to, to speak to that, I, I only I think I think we played it a couple times on the original Xbox uh, when I lived out in, in Norfolk. But yeah, we had kind of moved on from the multiplayer like shooter thing. At, you know, at, you know, GoldenEye was 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 way long gone. I think at that point we were, I was just about playing Halo Two or Halo. Yeah, once the Xbox kind of came out and Halo yeah. came out, you were. I bought a uh, Halo One. I didn't play. I, I didn't have that. Uh, that Halo One uh, multiplayer LAN experience that you know that you know million other people had, but I uh, I got into it probably for you know for Halo Two was the on live aspect because I live out in the remote area, <laughs> you know I lived out pretty far away, so my you know we, we kind of all moved apart, but there wasn't a lot of uh, yeah there wasn't a lot of local multiplayer going on on that one, but for for Conquer uh, Live and Reloaded was it was a you know pretty faithful port, there was obviously changes made to it, uh, and the game still you know. The game still looks really good. I think it looked really, really good on the original Xbox, and on uh, what was it? Uh, Rare Replay. It was, you know, I think that was. A, I think that was that a port of the original one. Oh, I don't know. I didn't realize it was on Rare Replay. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's on oh, there. Um, that's great. If it's, the, it's the original. I, I think great. it was because you know the great mighty Pooh. Yep. <laughs> Throw my shit at you. That was <laughs> freaking hell. The corn teeth. Uh, you, you guys, you guys gotta check this out. Uh, Conquer lot. You know the, the Conquer Bad Fur Day on Rare Replay. Get a hold of that, and you'll you'll love the dialogue. Yeah, it's actually nice. You know, with the Rare Replay too. That in itself is kind of like an encyclopedia of all the quote unquote you know golden era games. I mean, you know. Basically, from like the N sixty four on. Um, well, no, they went back. They oh, they went back further. That you get Battletoads. They had the Donkey Kong Country games too. No, oh, no, they, so don't, they don't. No, are. they don't have those. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's Nintendo, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, so yeah, I gotta think through and what's what's rare without Nintendo. But still, they got some heavy hitters in there that span back decades. And to have a nice compilation like that on like the Xbox, yeah. that's that's a that's a good thing. I think. You know, that's something that if I had on the Xbox, I'd probably be the first thing I'd purchase just because of yeah. the value you're getting for such a cheap price. It's like you got hours and hours of entertainment, you know, for a, more than a year yep. just for like 20 bucks. Okay. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, originally it, it came out, was it uh, 30, 30 games for 30 bucks? It was a buck a game when that came out. Obviously, the exclusion of GoldenEye kind of, you know, sent a rift or whatever. But overall, I mean, that was a great, great compilation of games. You had the original Battletoads, which I almost finally beat. I, I don't think I'm completely there yet. Uh, with save states to try to beat that game. <laughs> but that game has been a thorn in my side, even with save states. Um, so someday I'll beat it. Someday I'll beat it. But yeah, it just goes to testament. I mean, they made a ton of great games way back in the day. You got, you, know, you had Battletoads and, you know, all the games that came out on the Super Nintendo and the N64. I don't think, I don't think Nintendo uh, would have had, you know, Nintendo platformed a lot of uh, franchises that came out of it and, you know, the impact that they have made from having Rare and, and funding Rare was, you know, next level. I think the only thing that I can really compare it to, I want to, you know, bring this to full circle is, uh, you know, Retro Studios. And in a lot of ways, uh, in how I see Retro Studios and, and Nintendo is a lot of the same way that uh, that Rare was with Nintendo, Rare um, Rareware, Rare Limited. Um, they definitely pushed the envelope. They've, I mean, they've, They've taken care of the Donkey Kong Country series like like I don't think anybody else could have. Um, they're working on you know Metroid. Obviously, they you know the Metroid Prime franchise. You can speak you know tr- troves of, of about that, and it's and, and it feels a lot that it feels a lot of the same way. You know, Retro is is probably the closest thing. You know, if you understand what what the value of our uh, of our experiences with Rare was, I think Retro definitely gets it. Yeah, they they're kind of like the modern equivalent. Um, the library is not as deep and comprehensive as Rare's was in, in its golden age, but certainly what the work they've done has been impressive. I mean, they, much like where Nintendo gave Rare uh, Donkey Kong and said, okay, bring it into, you know, the, the 90s, uh, they gave uh, the Metroid game to Retro and said, okay, bring this into the, into the, you know, the 2000s. And then they also gave them Donkey Kong after that. And... They've done an amazing job with both series as far as, you know, obviously the Metroid Prime games. I could go on for hours and hours about how much I love those games. Yeah. You know, um, definitely a, a proper continuation to how it was back in the old days to uh, taking it to 3D. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and then the Donkey Kong Country games. I mean, for the longest time, I always felt that the second Donkey Kong Country game that made by Rare, uh, I thought that was the best one, but... I've since changed my opinion. Um, I think Tropical Freeze is, is the best Donkey Kong Country game, and that's made by Retro. Yeah, um, they've really done a good job. I think they get it, um, and I think Nintendo kind of realizes too that they get it because 
from my understanding, and I don't know any details, but supposed to be going back to a Metroid Prime 4, but I just got started up, was in production for a couple of years, and whoever was developing it, Nintendo said, no, you don't get it. We're listening back to retro. You're listening to that uh, Bandai Namco? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that confirmed? I, I think so. Uh, well, I think that's where the, that's where they went back to the drawing board, and then they just pulled the plug on it, and they're like, "Yeah, this isn't working." Nope, gotta gotta get it right. And and the, and for what it was too, I remember um, there was a lot of there was a lot of criticism within the gaming community about Metroid going 3D um, because it was like you know first person shooters were becoming so prevalent that it was just another you know another first person shooter added to the mix, but it was more than that. Uh, from from my personal playing of, of the first uh, Metroid Prime, it was discovery. It was it was atmosphere. It, it in a lot of ways it felt like Doom Three, where like a lot of things were just like eerie and and you know cryptic at the beginning, and then you know it would build up to like you know big big interactions, and you know a mid level boss battle. What was that? No, no, that was the first level boss battle. But yeah, the 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 feel of Metroid Prime. It just felt perfect, but there was a lot of uh, skepticism about it going 3D. And you know, it's funny we come full circle now that we everybody wants everything go, to go back to 2D. You know, yeah. we're going back to you know because those experiences still are still are amazing in, in two dimension. I think Metroid Dread definitely uh, definitely proved that. Um, but a lot of you know what, what's coming up next is has been a result of what Rare kind of did with Nintendo and building up these franchises. I think they wouldn't they wouldn't be where they're at had the two not worked together, I think it would have been very different. Um, they may have been just as successful. I'm not sure, but, but definitely they rare, definitely left a mark. You know, there's rare and retro have that same mark, you know, just like other developers, like Capcom is fighting games, mm-hmm. you know, stuff yeah. like that. But like, that's like one thing that's unique to them. They can take anybody's first, you know, first party powerhouses and, and really make them shine and, and drive the industry forward. Um, yeah, I think it definitely pushed the the Rayman series. I, I we we talk about Rayman Legends specifically was one of the ones that um I played on the original Xbox. I'm sorry, on the Xbox One, the VCR. Um, that kind of gave those side scrolling a run for their money too. That one was really really uh, in, intense and in, in depth, and the Wii U one was really really good. Yeah, I, I second that. It was really good. Um, and that's sort of the thing. It's like you know these companies. They're given a template. They're given, okay, Rare, here's Donkey Kong, and Retro, here's, you know, Metro, and then Donkey Kong. And you're, there's a certain, you know, it's nice that you're given the opportunity to work with those characters because they've been, you know, Nintendo's taken decades to establish them. But there's also the pressure that you got to actually, like, put something good on the table because, as we saw with, I guess, Bandai Namco, they will shut it down. And yep. that will be years of work down the, down the toilet if you don't do it. So there is a pressure there, but you're also given quite the advantage. So That's true. That's a lot of money. I mean, the, 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 yeah, those things weren't true. weren't cheap to make. So, the, you almost have like an unlimited budget with Nintendo to a point. But I think maybe that I don't know who you know creative differences. It, it's probably for the best. It's definitely for the best. To close it out, Rareware. If you guys haven't looked back on uh, some of these back catalogs, definitely definitely check them out. Um, you know there are very different ways to play. I don't know with with emulation and stuff like that. You have access to these games, and they definitely had a had a very unique perspective on how to game, and it definitely pushed the envelope in terms of you know how you interact with things, like just overall gameplay. Because it, it, there was that hindrance of of having the technology not be there, so Rare made it work. 
Um, Rare Nintendo made it work. Nintendo's always been big on gameplay versus, you know, technical specs. Uh, they they kind of catch up a little bit in terms of, it, but they're always they're, their core always seems to be gameplay. But that that second party experience from a company like Rare is just it's very few and far between. As as you say, it's uh it's it's very hard to find those kind of experiences now with with indie developers. Though I gotta say that it's probably more it's it's probably more up and coming. It has been. Um, they've they've paved the plan. That's one thing I got to say about Microsoft. They have paved the way for indie developers uh, as well as Nintendo. They made getting the tools easier to do it, and they have come out with some great games. You know, like Shovel Knight. Yeah, fantastic that's, game. That's that's definitely a, a huge uh, <clears throat> example of that. Uh, so you know, you're looking for AAA games. You know, that's great. You know, more power to them. The, the games are great. They're story driven. Um, you're looking for a little bit of a different experience that doesn't take super long to complete. You know, check check these games out. Give them a chance. Let us know what you think about Rare. Let us know if you you know if you hate Rare. Let us know if you like Rare. Um, let us know what your favorite game is. Which which one really shined out to you and why? Well, if you hate Rare, I mean, <laughs> that's yeah, a pretty unique us... opinion. I'm I'm curious. Someone actually legit <laughs> hates Rare. I want to hear that one. Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, hey, you know, <clears throat> like I said, I, I didn't grow up with a PlayStation, so I bet there's a lot of games that would, you know, that would, uh, I guess, overshadow it in terms of that, but. You know, give give him a shot. You know, why 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 don't you like him? Why don't you like Banjo Kazooie? I don't know. I yeah, I, that, I mean, that's, I, that's I, a tough one. To, oh no, I, I mean, everyone, I, I feel like ninety nine percent of people are gonna like it. So yeah, the people who don't like it, I really want to hear from because that's yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, let us know. Let us know. If what you like it, it's like oh yeah. great, just like everyone else, you like it. Great, I like it too. What I'm game boring. and what and what rare game <laughs> and, and what rare game stood out to you? You know, did you uh, did anybody you know you know Star Fox Adventures? I I know it's not a it wasn't a very oh, I never played that very Harold Harold game. Um, I myself played a, a little bit of it. I I borrowed it for a little while from a friend. Was it any good? It was. It was different. It, it I gotta say Star Fox Assault was definitely more of the fast paced like shooting dogfight, but you also had the ground like interaction and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Assault was actually a, a pretty decent game. I don't I don't remember who made I don't remember who made Assault. Oh um, I don't know either. Because I'm looking, I'm trying to remember the cover. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember who made it. But yeah, Star Fox Adventures. You know, it was, it was definitely one of the ones that that was later, uh, later GameCube game, um, that still came out. But you know, if, if that's your favorite one, like, hell yeah, let us know. You know, tell us why. Um, my my personal favorite. Let's 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 close it out with some. Let's let's close it out with our personal favorite rare game. Let's see if we can, uh, if we can come with a, with a top. Oh, let's do a top three. Top three, all right. You go first. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, my, my favorite my favorite rare game has got to be Banjo Kazooie. Um, in close second, we're looking at Donkey Kong Country, and I'm gonna go with the first one, and it's it's gonna be crazy. But that one is the one I find myself going back to to play more often than not. So maybe that'll change. And then uh, in third place is um, is Killer Instinct. I think the original Killer Instinct for the uh, the Super Nintendo is, is is probably up, and and the reason I'm and the reason I'm leaving Goldeneye up there is because it's an easy pick. But, yeah. But I um you know everybody, you know Goldeneye is great, and it, it definitely uh it definitely was 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 a super powerful game. Uh, I'll definitely pick up and play Banjo Kazooie any day. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Go with Banjo Kazooie number one, number two Donkey Kong Country, and number three Killer Instinct. Wow. Well. There's a lot to choose from, but I'm just gonna go with what I think uh, I would, I could see myself playing and maybe playing again. So we're gonna go number one or general impact on me. Uh, number one, I'm gonna say uh, Goldeneye, the nice. boring pick. 
it, it just changed everything. Um, many years of enjoying it. I still got unfinished business with it, so maybe mm-hmm. I'll get back to it at some point. Um, number two, I'm I'm gonna say Blast Corps. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> the game the game is underrated. I'm, it's criminally underrated. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna be on this this soapbox for a while. It's a great it's a great game. I can't say the word I wanted to use. It's a very good game. You gotta try it. <laughs> And then, so number three, um, yeah, I'm going to say Banjo. Listen, the Banjo Banjo. game really, um, it it really opened my eyes um, to the point where I will definitely be at some point checking out the sequel. I haven't played it yet, so maybe that could replace it. We'll see. Yeah, there's my three. Right on. All on the N64. Hell yeah. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to this week's episode of This 90s Podcast. We did a... We did a pretty in-depth look at Rare. Let us know what you think in the uh, in the comments. Uh, we're going to leave a little poll out there, see what your favorite Rare game is. Um, yeah, and thanks again for, for, for sitting down and doing this with me again today. I know uh, I know we're all super busy, but still find some time to, to, to go back to our memories. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Um, I've really enjoyed doing this so far, and... I hope you wish you luck. Hope you keep going. Thanks a lot, bud. Take care. We'll catch you in the next one, guys. Peace out.